Welcome back to the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. Okay, welcome back to the show, and today I have a man that is well-versed in the movie and TV industry. I could list off all his films and TV shows, but we'd probably take up the whole podcast talking about that. But you'll probably know him best from Breaking Bad and Friends. Mr. Larry Hankin, how are you doing today, man? So far, so good. You know, I'm uh, I'm sequestered. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not wearing a mask, so it's cool. Yeah. (laughs) How how is things? Fine. I'm doing fine. Yeah. How is things where you are with the mask situation and all that over there in LA at the moment? Well, you know, because I have gray hair, it uh, it, it it impinges upon me a little more than maybe. Well, I don't know now. You know, it's hitting everybody. Uh, I I live near the 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 ocean here near the beach, so I ride my bike, uh, and riding the bike is uh, the the best you can do out side because you can you're not you're not near anybody so i don't have to, have to wear a mask and i just weave in and out and stay uh and then i'll take a walk every now and again but i but i'm near the beach so we get a lot of interlopers as we i i grew up on the beach it was mm-hmm. foreigners and summer trash we used to call them you know the, the people who come in on saturday yeah. and sunday yeah. <laughs> and they would just fill up, you know, this little town, and then they would disappear. Uh, so it's good for the merchants. Uh, so you don't know who, who's uh, who. Uh, are they the regulars around here are fine? You know, like on a on a on a Tuesday or a Monday, everything's cool. You know, and there's not many people. And, and then on the weekends, wow! And you don't know. It's a it's a lot of guesswork. It's a lot of guesswork. So I just ride my bike and I come home. And I, uh, when you go out with friends, you know, you have to say, um, are, are you vaccinated? Are we going to an outdoor place or an indoor place? You know, yeah. you have to find out a lot of different facts. Um, now it's part of, now that that's the new normal. <laughs> but from here on in, folks, Every day is going to be a new normal. New normal is the new normal. So it, it changes. And now it, with the, you know, the uh, weather, the global warming, it's really hitting around here. I don't know how it is in Ireland, but uh, in the United States uh, and, and, and the rest of the world, it's, it's getting really hairy. Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, I was talking to a friend on the phone the other day, on an actual phone. Um, I, uh, I said, you know, he said, well, you know, how are you doing? And 
I didn't plan it on. I didn't plan on it being like this now. You know, mm -hmm. that like ten years ago. I, you know, it's going to be cool. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And so, yeah, that's a that's a loaded question you just asked. You know, yeah. how are things where you are? Yeah, things are the great. Whole, the things are great. The, yeah. Things are okay. Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> terrific. I was telling you about five minutes before I came on there. Um, a guy I was talking to on this podcast. He's uh, he lives out in LA. He's he directed the first ever movie for wwe studios mr dan madigan sent me a question and he said ask him about solly's diner and i said well, oh I mm -hmm. oh nice yeah oh, dan nice dan yeah, madigan dan thank you dan yeah <laughs> cool. and i said and i said dan i've never seen that but you know what i'm gonna ask him anyway uh yes yeah, the first film that i ever made myself um mm -hmm official film that I ever made. I mean, I, when I was a kid, when I was 15, I was got a little plastic stuff and I was little real to real plastic things with super, no, not even super eight, just eight millimeter, you know, little Charlie Chaplin films. And so Sally's Diner was my nod to all that childhood stuff. Um, I was making some money as an actor. So I thought, what could, what could I do? Oh, um, yeah, so I was making a lot of money as an actor, and I thought I could waste this money on parties and stuff, or yeah. I could do something for me that might might last. You know, I, I didn't know. Uh, and so uh, just when I got this load of money, uh, I think it was about $20,000. No, $10,000. Mm -hmm. uh, way back when I was starting, that was in... 1979. 1979. That was like a lot of money, and I was full of full of beans. And I go, okay. And uh, a friend's wife uh, called me. Uh, no, I was acting with her. She was in my acting company, and she said, "Hey, my my husband is a cinema. Well, he wants to be a cinematographer. He's a camera operator, and he needs a film with his credit as a cinematographer." Larry, why don't you write a film and he can be the cinematographer? He gets his credit and you get a film that you wrote and you're you're in. So mm -hmm. that, so th thank thank goodness for um for Anna. Anna Matthias was the one who and I, I thought it was a joke I didn't even listen to her. You know, I, I brushed it off. Uh and then I got this money and, and I go, ooh, what Anna was talking about, I could do that, you know. So I called uh, her husband, uh, Harry, and I said, hey, do you want to make a movie? And he goes, yeah, I need a credit. And I go, yeah, I talked to your wife. Okay, let's do it. And so uh, I wrote 20 pages. I was in the committee. So, I mean, I was in comedy and I was acting and improvising. So, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a stretch. I, I was being funny out of my own head on the stage. So... I, I wrote it. We uh, he said cut it in half, <laughs> just like that. You know, Twenty pages of my sweat and blood I put on the page. Yeah, it's good. Cut it in half. You know, it's too long, so ten minutes. So I cut it down to ten minutes. Took me a long time. I mean, it's easy to say cut it. That's what three seconds. It cut it down. Yeah, but it took me a couple of weeks to to do that. It's not easy. 
uh, writing a screenplay, even if it's short, is not easy. So I did that, and then we, we shot it, and it was a big adventure, you know, three-day shoot, you know, in a restaurant, a little diner, Sally's Diner. It was mm -hmm. Sally was the name of the guy who owned the diner, so I named it Sally's Diner. And, um, yeah, we, we, and we shot it. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. More hard work than I'd ever done. I, I didn't know about films. You know, I thought, well, you know, little plastic reels, you know, to 15 years old. I thought it was yeah. going to be like that. I mean, I was totally naive. I was an improviser. You yeah. don't do anything all day. You just get up on the stage and somebody from the audience shouts something and you do it. You don't even have to do homework. You know, you just live a life and you're, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so doing them. Uh, um, so that taught me a lesson, which I, you know, learn forever whoa i gotta i gotta shut this off right? this is <laughs> there you go no stop <laughs> stop i i shut it off now it's gonna just ring until it goes on okay Sorry. i didn't oh it's cool <laughs> turned out to be spam yeah it could uh, be spam so could be spam or it could be a big roll that you're just after turning down. No, it was spam. It said, uh, finally. It, well, no, it didn't say. You know what it said? It said Trinidad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, cool. that's I don't that's, know any movie companies in Trinidad. That's bullshit. <laughs> I think is what they call that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, anyway, we're talking about Sally's Diner, but yeah, it was, and I got an Academy Award nomination for it, which blew my mind because, and that's why I was so, you know, thanks for, you know, mentioning it. Uh, yeah. Because uh, that was the first, I never thought about that at all. I was just doing it because Anna said, you know, hey, let's do it. And her husband needed a, a film, you know, uh, that's what we were doing. We were doing it for Harry, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I wanted to just do a film and I had the money and I didn't know how to make a film, but Harry did, you know, I mean, he was a professional, he was a yeah. camera operator. So then he, he I said, well, I, who, who are we going to get directed? Because uh, I, I didn't know anybody, you know, I was just an improviser. You get up on the stage, you improvise, and then you go home and you forget about it until you have to get on there again. So I didn't know anything. And he said, well, you direct. And he said, and I said, I, I can't, I don't know how to direct. I don't know. I don't even know how to make a film. Never know yeah. how to direct. And he said, I'll help you. And I thought that was really great. And that's a trap. So anybody's going to make a film. I just want, when somebody says, I'll help, I'll help you, as opposed to hiring them to do a job. Said, no, mm -hmm. I'll help you. Whoa, look out, man. That's a trap, you know, because here, here's, the, here's the trap. It sounded great. And he did help me. He did help me. But when it came to directing, he was directing so that he could get a reel out of it, not a story out of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when it came to editing, I didn't know how to edit. So he said, I'll help you. And I go, great. So don't edit with your cinematographer. He's editing for his reel. And I was editing for a story. And we had fights you can't believe. You're shouting fights. Yeah. No, yeah. no, we're gonna do it. I was and and threatening. I'm gonna burn the film. I'm gonna burn the master. <laughs> I got the key to the to the editing room. I'm gonna get in there at midnight and burn it. It was just uh, you know, arguing about this funny film that we made. Yeah. 
but it got a nomination. I, and he insisted, I didn't want to enter it because I didn't think it was good enough. Yeah. But he did. He so he. But when it when all is said and done, everybody that said they wanted to help and this and all the arguments, I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad it was made. It, it, it's great. It's still out there. I, I'm showing it to somebody tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, to, they want to say, "Oh, you made a film. It's Academy Award. Let, let's see it because they want to see my writing." Mm -hmm. Is it available yeah. online? I think so. It's it's on the internet. It's all over. Yeah. Just if you yeah. Google Sally's Diner, I think you'll you'll get it. Uh, yeah. But if okay, I, I you know, I, I I gotta advertise. I don't advertise. It's on my website, and it's my website is therealarryhankin.com. I never mention that. Therealarryhankin.com. A lot of my film shorts now are on there, and uh, but it's all over the internet. Sally's Diner. Yeah, it's funny. You like it. You like it. Like. Good. One thing people obviously wanted to ask me to ask you is about Friends and how you came to portray the character in Friends. I'm sure you've you've never been asked this question before. Well, it's uh, yeah, I've always been. You know, it's well, there's two or three by Breaking Bad, Friends, yeah. uh, Seinfeld. Um, the thing about talking about Friends is I didn't have a good time there it, it wasn't mm -hmm. a happy time i loved the character the character i was doing um was written i was doing just what was on the page and it, it's i'm very famous for that role but i got to give the writers their due uh, i just did what was written and i did what i thought the character his intent was you know the the, the 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 backstory the what I could come up with, what the actor comes up with from the mm -hmm. writing, um, and it's uh, you know went all over the world, friends, and so did uh, um, Mr. Heckles. Uh, but I loved doing the part. I I loved because he was passive aggressive, and I grew up in a household of passive aggressive parents. There was no fighting. There was no verbal oral outward fighting it was just all in they, they held it in and, and it just like action so i had something to draw on and i loved doing because he was either totally you know or or he was very determined but you know he wanted to punch uh costanza yeah i don't i don't want to hear anything about the what dried fruit no i don't want to hear about dried fruit uh, so I, I like I like doing the character, mm -hmm. doing. That's what's fun about acting. It's all the, as you say, all the bullshit you have to go through, the auditions, the callbacks, the memorization, the rehearsals, the people you have to deal with getting through the nice, the, da, 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 and then finally you get in front of a camera. And the guy says, okay, action. And boom, all of a sudden it's happy time and you forget all that stuff. You're just, wow, man. And Heckles, and I guess the audience got that too because I was having fun doing Mr. Heckles and I guess it registered. Yeah. But when the camera was off and we were just rehearsing, no, it was very tense. I was very tense the whole time. Um, I, don't, I don't schmooze well. I don't, I don't, I don't have any, uh, 
schmooze material. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe, you know what it is really deep down? I only care about me. I, I think, you know, if we're not talking about me, I have no interest in you. Yeah, yeah you I, have I to mean, look out for yourself. You have to look out for yourself. I, I, I guess, and sometimes it unnerves uh, people. Now, you know, I mean, I, I've that was way back in the day, so I've grown up. I don't, yeah. I don't do it as much yeah since but, like since, since i came home from work today i've been home three hours now and my girlfriend always would watch friends on repeat 24 7 365 if it's on and since wow. i've been home there's there's been six episodes in a row on comedy central over here it's wow. still on when, when i came upstairs it was still on it's just always on crazy it's like it, was she there or she just leaves it on and leaves the room or she's well, she, she, no no she'd leave it on kind of in the background and oh wow well that's yeah. uh, okay i can because i do that with the tv you know i'll put yeah. it on and then i'll just look every once in a while you know it's mainly it's news or nova yeah. <laughs> it's all <laughs> i don't i actually don't watch tv i, I really should i yeah. watch a movie every once in a while but i just it's not interesting to me anymore i can i either go why didn't i get that role is all i register or i can, I can do, do it better. better than that guy mm -hmm. uh or um it's pretty boring i let me see what else is you know i i don't register like a real audience I yeah. register like you're a professional actor or it's not for me it's not my, yeah, it's not my sense of humor you know that that's that's my go-to well it's probably because, you know, I'm sitting and other people laugh and I don't laugh, you know, and I figure, well, it's me. It's, it's you know, it is funny. They're laughing. Uh, obviously, it's funny because it's on TV. So it's got to be funny. If it's on TV, it's got to be funny. Uh, so uh, but it's not it's not my humor. It's OK. Yeah, so, you know, as opposed to get off, get off. I don't let's turn the no. You find uh, yeah, yourself maybe I, being a critique. Well, I'm very opinionated, and I have no sense of humor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm one of the funniest people I know, and I have no sense of humor. Uh, in that, I, I, I laugh at weird things that other people are not laughing at. Or um, it's, I'm, it's just not my sense of humor. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But I, I, I think I say that because I've read, because I read a lot about the the biographies of, of funny people like Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, uh, or you know the modern people. They don't write their biographies too much. The Woody Allen biography. I want to see how they think, how they how to get to where their humor is and what they're looking at. Um, so, uh, but what I read in all the biographies, especially Charlie Chaplin, who's probably one of the funniest guys on the planet, you know, ever. Especially in film, I guess. Uh, they, they, in the biography, it says they don't have a sense of humor. Like, I mean, they'll, they'll laugh at their own jokes or laugh at something that's funny. But oh, I guess it's they don't have a sense of humor about themselves. That, mm -hmm. that's it. In other words, they don't like to be the butt of humor. Like pranks, I hate pranks on myself. Oh man, I just and everybody laughs and oh, it just gets me. I get mad because I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad at myself. Oh, man, it was so obvious. You know, it was a setup, man. I fell for it. Damn it. 
yeah so so my wife is like massively into friends but like i tell you the truth i i'm not really too into that show at all no i never watched it i mean they're 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 good at what they do the guy who played chandler was mm. good at what he did as as were they all but he was the best and but the best actress is the ditzy one uh i don't i don't know their names phoebe is the it? blonde one phoebe yeah she is a funny person and a funny actress, and she's a good actress. She, I, I watched her because I learned from her. Her line readings were just spot on. I mean, nothing, nothing but really funny. I mean, she went under, you know. She mm -hmm. just, I always her technique. I mean, to see that's what I watch for. Yeah. Uh, the good funny people. I, I learn that. That's what I want to mm -hmm. do. Somebody said something really interesting about learning. They said, I love to learn. I just don't like to be taught. And man, that just hit me right square. Yeah. That's me. I mean, if you try to teach me something, I, uh, I, you may, I may not show it, but I'm not listening. I, I, won't, mm. I won't listen. And then after you leave, I'll try to remember what, what you said, or I'll try to repeat, do it, you know. Yeah. But while it's happening, well, it's because my father, man, he was just a, a martinet, you know, learn this or die, you know. <laughs> so I just the reverberation still. Yeah. I try to get rid of it, but yeah. So but when friends, you're, yeah, yeah. when you're when you're looking at say then Breaking Bad as opposed to Friends, <laughs> do, nice. do do you do you look at that in a more Oh yeah, cinematic sense, like you know, because that was that's still to me. In, I think in a what kind of sense? In a kind of cinematic sense and story telling and stuff like that. Their friend no, is more. I, of a, I, I mean, I watch. If I'm watching something, any mm -hmm. anything, if I'm watching you. The yeah. only reason I'm watching you nine times out of ten is because I'm learning something. Mm -hmm. It is because you're doing something that I want to get, you know, uh, absorb somehow, uh, or. Uh, uh, yeah, even even when I'm I'm just an audience, you know. Like uh, sometimes I'll lose myself in a in an Apatow movie. I, I, but but again, no, it's Apatow, and I know he knows how to make funny films, and I I'm I'm, I'm laser beamed on on that. So even when I'm an audience, you know, and I'm just laughing, and I don't, I'm I'm really there. I'm watching what he's doing, where the camera is. I'm watching what the what the arc of the scene is the arc of the movie he's an expert i mean his writing his construction of humor is amazing it really is so that's where i i, I go and that's where my heart is you know the, the the process of humor and you can't explain it there's an old saying that uh, there's one thing that can't be taught about humor you can't teach timing mm -hmm. and uh all the funny people have timing. Uh, Phoebe has timing. Apatow has timing. In his films, his films are all, that timing is perfect. Uh, John Hughes, you know, uh, she's having a baby. Uh, John Hughes, you know, I don't know. Yeah, funny, but he, he makes funny films. I've made two of uh, Home Alone. You know, mm -hmm. funny film, man. Yeah. Uh, John Hughes. But I, and, and that's, what I was trying to do, even when I was doing Sally's Diner, that, that's in the back of my mind. I, I was trying to construct it in such a way. And, of course, Harry, 
you know, the, the fights in the editing room. You know, he was editing for his reel and I was editing for the story, but I was also editing for comic timing, which he didn't care about. He just mm -hmm. wanted a nice... Something that looked oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's always been there. Even when I was a kid, I was a funny kid in, in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I think I was the butt of the joke in kindergarten, but they laughed and it was about me. So, yeah, but, but maybe that's where the, uh, anyway. So yeah. Um, breaking bad. I learned from, mm -hmm. uh, I learned from the writing, uh, even, even when it's, it's serious. I mean, uh, still writing is writing. Good writing is good writing uh, and the acting. And, and the direction of the acting, and then where the camera is. When I did um, Breaking Bad, here's a here's how deep into it I got, that I always get. When I was on doing the movie, uh, when I was doing, I did two Breaking Bads, and then I did El Camino, the Breaking yeah. Bad movie. So mm -hmm. in the two TV series, I honed in on Brian Cranston. And all my scenes were Brian Cran with Brian Cranston, so I lucked out. But I paid attention to Brian Cranston all the time. Even when I was acting with him in the scene, I'd be paying attention more to him than to what I was doing, which I think mm -hmm. is kind of a blessing because it relaxed me. I, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, keying off him. And I was talking to him and you know trying to get uh, good information and stuff. Uh, and uh, I just concentrated on on, on Brian, not, not me. And mm -hmm. I think my acting sh showed it. It was, I, I was a good actor in that. I, I, but, but it was because of Brian. Uh, so, and when I was doing the movie, I switched, well, Brian Cranston wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I switched to uh, Vince Gilligan and he noticed, Vince noticed that I was paying attention to a lot more than the acting. I mean, I would be asking questions of the cinematographer. I was going over to the camera operator. I was trying to see, kind of look in the camera, you know, to see what, what he was actually, the frame was. I would ask Vince questions. And finally he said, uh, he called me over and he said, uh, you, want to, you want to see my, um, the, the book of, of the, the drawings of uh, the storyboard, storyboard. Yes. You want, you want to see my storyboard book? He just, that's what he called me over. He said, hey, Larry, what? You want to see my storyboard? I mean, he saw I was paying attention to the making of it. Mm -hmm. So he called over his uh, assistant and he said, show Larry the, the storyboard. And, he, and she gave me a, 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 a you know, loose leaf binder that was about that thick. And I opened it up and there was all his shots. They were drawn on the top of the page. Ex exquisitely drawn, you know, very di diagram, diagram. Mm -hmm. and, and then all where the cameras were going to be, and then the angles, and then notes underneath. I mean, it, it was like uh, the codex of uh, Michelangelo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. This guy's a genius. I mean, just how it was laid out. If you, if you didn't know who it was, you just whoever did this, man. Uh, going through it, it was just, uh, it blew my mind because it was just too much information for me. But but that's what I do when I'm on the set. The same thing with um, Escape from Alcatraz, uh, Don Siegel. I, I was hanging out with Clint Eastwood 
because it's Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood and all my scenes were with him. But really, I was also bothering the heck out of Don Siegel. I was following him around like a little puppy. And that was my first big film, and I was really young. So I, I was still like, wow, this is amazing. It was my first big film. I, it just was awe-inspiring. But he, he too saw, and he called me over and he said, hey, you want to look through the camera? Or he would open up the d- directing to me. Mm. Yeah, he seen an interest. Yeah, he saw my interest. He saw my, mm. So that's kind of you know, what Friends and Breaking Bad and, and uh, Seinfeld, they, even Larry David noticed it uh, on mm. the set of Seinfeld. Yeah. He would talk to me and say, you know, I know what you're doing. You know, what am I doing? You're trying yeah. to do nothing. That's right. I'm, I'm trying to do nothing. How did you know that? <laughs> just, yeah. So you. I mean, well, good directors are good directors. Too. You've been fortunate enough then to learn a lot of things from a lot of great people in the industry. That'd be fair to say. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate that they saw my interest. I was interested whether they saw it or not. But, yeah. but I'm fortunate that even uh, John Houston, the great John Houston, I worked with John Houston. I mean, it, these things get me excited, man. Yeah. Uh, and so I was up for it. I mean, uh, they said, uh, there's John Houston making a movie, Annie. Uh, but you have to get down there. They're closing the audition in an hour. Man, I just lead-footed it out there. I just, because it was out in the valley. It's like a 45-minute yeah. drive. And they're closing in an hour. I got to get it. I didn't care about the part at all. I didn't even know what the part was. They just said, he's auditioning, get down there. What's the part? They'll tell you when you get down there. Get down there. My my agent. I got down there and, um, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, I get, he noticed there was something. When I auditioned, I, like I say, I didn't care if I got the job. I just wanted to be in his presence. I just wanted him, I just wanted to audition for him. That's all. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I auditioned for him, he, he saw something. He saw something that I didn't see. In other words, it was not something that I was trying to show or do. He, uh, and they all, they all, the thing about directors that I like, great directors, is they're looking at something you're not. The, uh, you know, they're, I guess they got the big picture. So mm-hmm. whenever I would ask a question of any of them, they would come at me with something huge. They would go, oh, that, you know, and then they would go, well, it's because of this. And then they would finally get down to this. So I have to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So. And sometimes they just say like Don Siegel on, on uh, uh, what was it? That Escape from Alcatraz. He finally got fed up with me. I was asking him so many questions. He goes, you know, why why are you doing this? Why did you put the camera here? Why don't you put the camera there? He said, Larry, I don't know. I think I'm going to get fired. I mean, he just walked away. It's just, <laughs> okay, enough, Larry, or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, but he noticed it. So his his option was to put me on. So about a month, because I was there for three months. I mean, that's a long time to spend on one project. And that was the mm-hmm. only project that ever did that. So, I mean, after a while, he's just putting me on all the time. And I got it. But then the, the, the downside was that the crew saw what he was doing. He was putting me on. 
So the mm-hmm. crew started to put me on. And then Clint Eastwood started to put me on because my name was Charlie Butts. So they do, oh, he's the butts of the, the film. You're the butts. Uh, and so it was until finally I had to draw the line. I said, I got to get out of the barrel. I need to, you know, just. So, uh, well, I'll tell you, it's a very short story, but every after every shot, all my scenes were Clint Eastwood. And they had, Don Siegel and Clint Eastwood had made movies before Escape from Alcatraz. They'd made about four or five movies together. So they knew yeah. one another. They had, you know, an offhand, just, you know, they Connection. know. Yeah. So each, after each uh, shot, you know, okay, and cut, Don Siegel would come up to Clint Eastwood and he'd say, is that good for you, Clint? He wouldn't yell it from the camera. He'd come over and say, how is that for you, Clint? Clint would say, uh, well, a couple of things. He'd say, uh, oh, that was fine. He'd say, okay, moving on, boom. And I was standing there every time because all my scenes are with him. And they would never, neither one would ever look at me even during this tete-a-tete. They would just, I would just have to stand there. And then they would talk, you know, you want to do it again? Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, no, no, he would never want to do it again. Clint. He only likes to do it once. And if you want to do it again, you have to tell him. He would ask Don. He'd say, why are we doing this again? And Don would say, uh, well, the camera jiggled. It was always something technical, not not yeah. anything with Clint. It was always technical. Or some, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the camera jiggled, went off the dolly, whatever. And then, then he would say, okay, let's do it again. Fine. And, and I would just stand there for about a month. I would just stand there like a bump on a log, my mom used to say. <laughs> and finally, I, I, and the, this is while he was putting me on, Don Siegel. So the crew started to see that they weren't paying any attention to me, that the, they were putting me on. So they started, I said, I got to get out of the barrel. So this is how I did it. I, was, I would be up at night trying to figure out how to, how to get back at Don Siegel or Clint Eastwood, and then the, the crew would follow. So it was one of those two that I had to get. And I just, and about a week and a half later, after I, I just got fed up and thinking I got to get back at it, Don Siegel, uh, Don, I said to Don, uh, they came up and, and he said, well, how's that for you? And Clint said, uh, that was fine. Let's move on. And I just piped up and I said, hey, um, you know, uh, I think um, I'd like to do it again. I think I can do it better. And, and Clint Eastwood just looked at me and said, yeah, well, I can't. And he walked away. Wow. And the crew just fell apart laughing. Well, that was, that was my death knell. That mm. was, okay. It was, I said, okay, it's over now. I got two more months, and the crew is not going to leave me alone now. Mm. They walked away. They laughed. They laughed so hard. Okay. And I, so I, so that's when I started to stay up at night thinking, what can I say? What can I do? And about four days after that, unconsciously, Clint Eastwood said what I said. He didn't even know he was saying it. Don Siegel came up to him and said, how's that for you? And Clint Eastwood, I swear, he said this. He said, "Um, you know, um, I'd like to do it better. I think I can do it. I, I, I think I can do it better. I'd like to do it again. And I said, well, I can't. And I walked away. No laughter, nothing, dead in silence, man. And I'm walking, I'm walking away. And we're on tier three. 
the tier three is 30 feet above the ground. You know, you go off the railing and then, or the other way is into the cell. So the scene was they had the camera hanging over the railing, shooting into the, into the cell. And we were near the exit this way, you know, on the tier this way. We were near that. But that was blocked by equipment and all the crew waiting, you know, for the scene to stop. So the mm -hmm. only other exit was way the hell down there, 100 feet down the other end of the tier. And that's where I was walking. I didn't realize that's where I had to walk. And, well, I, you know, I instinctively said, well, I can't. And I walked away. I didn't even think. It just came out of my mouth. I mean, that's how hard I was staying up at night. And I yeah. kept walking. And I thought, oh, my God, I'll never get there. And as I'm walking away and there's silence behind me, and I said, I don't care if I'm fired. I'm just, I can't take the bullshit anymore. I'll mm. be fired. Fine. And the door is getting further and further away. I guess, let me get to the door. And finally, as I finally did get to the door, I hear Clint say, hey, Larry, come on back, man. <laughs> it's just like, hey, what are you doing? Come on. And then Don C goes, yeah, come on back. Come on back. Yeah. So I turned around and came back. Now, here's the great thing about making movies, and I've seen this in all the sets. It was never yeah. mentioned again. In other words, mm. and I've seen big big screw-ups where, where thousands of dollars have been not wasted but broken because it didn't work mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you what in in, in um, escape from alcatraz one of the prisoners cuts off his hand in the in the shop the painter because mm -hmm. the the, uh, uh, the what do you call it the, the head of the prison the the uh, warden the warden took away his paints and he said, if I can't paint, I don't need my hands. So when mm -hmm. he got to the shop, he got an ax and he chops off his hand. Now they made a fake arm, mm -hmm. they made two. Each one cost $2,000 to make. It looked real and it had, when you cut through it, you could see it had tubes, it would spurt blood. So, I mm -hmm. mean, it, it was a mecha yeah, mechanical hand. They gave it to the actor. Don Siegel said to the actor, you want to cut off your own hand, you know, the fake hand, you want to do it? And they got the camera right down. They said, yeah, yeah, I want to cut it off. So he cut it off, and it was supposed to cut it off like here. Where's the camera? Here. Mm -hmm. And he cut it off here. He cut off these three fingers. Yeah. Which was totally wrong. On camera. $2,000 down the drain. And, uh, and and there was silence, like an O. Oh. So the prop department just, they didn't know what to do, so they just brought out the second one. Well, when they brought out the second one, the actor, it was Roberts Blossom, who has passed on now. But he, of course he felt awful, man, you know. Uh, I would, uh, you know. And he... He, he, and he was standing there with the axe. He, he was just frozen, like, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, like, and they just brought it in. They, they just, the prop department just put it down, walked away. Silence. And even the director didn't know what to do. You know, said, well, uh, and then Clint Eastwood. I, I, the, the, the director said, all right, who wants to cut off the hand? I mean, it was like that. Nobody wanted to do it because yeah. the tension. He said, all right, who wants to cut off the hand? And, of course, there was bump, 
bump, bump, and then Clint Eastwood says, all right, I'll do it. Clint Eastwood did it. So he, he says, give me the axe. So Robert Blossom gives me the axe. He goes over and laying there. And now there's total silence. And not only that, the tension was amazing. I've never, and it's Clint Eastwood. And he goes, okay. And Clint's adrenaline was now pumping because he started to get real loud. Mm -hmm. All right, I want this, you know, we only got one shot. And he started directing, you know, like, I want the camera here and I want then. Don Siegel just stood back and he's just ordering people around. He was just very tense and excited and not in a good way. And he just he says, okay, everybody ready? Okay. And one, two, three, bam. Perfect. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Whoa. Well, you just feel the tension just, but you know, I mean, now here's the thing. It was Robert Blossom's screw up. It was never mentioned again, not even five minutes later. Not mm. not that day and for the rest of the shoot. N never mm. happened. The fuck up never happened. And I've noticed that on all, all, all the sets I've ever done, any kind of thing, anything that goes wrong, you don't, that's, that's sacred. And I understand why. They're on a time schedule. Time is money. You know, they're trying to make a story. That's dangerous to start screwing with something real that happened that you can't mm -hmm. go back on. So they understand the psycho psychology of that on all sets. You know, sometimes I screwed up. Sometimes somebody else screwed up. It was dealt with in real time. And that's what I love about the crews. Mm -hmm. They're the greatest improvisers ever. They can fix Jerry Rig mm -hmm. anything. And I remember one motorcycle guy on a motorcycle movie I was doing and the motorcycle wouldn't work <clears throat> and right. they said and nobody could fix it and the time was running out we're losing the light and somebody said call I can't remember the guy's name he had a, a, a nickname like Stinger mm -hmm. or something like that call Stinger you know so I would shut down and took 10 minutes until Stinger arrived they had to get him and he called and any and, and he fixed it boom boom and, well, he didn't fix it because somebody said that. He got boom, boom, and it worked. All right. He yeah. goes, he said, and so he, and he walked around, <laughs> walked around feeling like, oh, walked away. And somebody came out and said, man, how did you fix that, man? That was so great. And he turned on him very seriously. And he said, I don't fix anything. I just get things to work. And he walked away. Mm -hmm. But that's Some what the crew does. Yeah. You've got some probably mad stories from over the years on set. Well, and I just... people say things that, you know, yeah. or do things because they're pro on these big movies. Well, not anymore. You got to be professional because mm -hmm. things are a matter of inches, lighting. You know, they got these little digital lighting things. I tell you, you know, within a, a lumen. <laughs> What the lighting or, or something, you know, breaks and you got to strap it up and get it to because we got to shoot. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that I, I love about making movies is yeah. the, the when it's called for the expertise that's brought in and just boom, stinger, mm -hmm. bam. I don't Remote. fix things. I make them work. Boom. Mm -hmm. boom. Larry, before we wrap up today, and you've given me some amazing stories there, 
do you want to tell us about your website? I was checking it out earlier and what's on it because I've seen there's pieces of art there and different things like that. So do you want to explain to us like what you can get on the website and what's on it? Uh, sure. Well, okay. If you go to the real Larry Hankin.com, all one word, the real Larry Hankin.com. Um, I've got my, uh, I, I'm a painter. See, these are my paintings. That's mm -hmm. the that, opposite. That's one of my paintings. Uh, and here's the other painting. And there it is. There's, there's the other painting. So I made, so I got these paintings and I made t-shirts out of them all. There's 40 of them. And I made about, I think 25 of them are, are mm -hmm. on t-shirts. These, these two are on t-shirts. So I got t-shirts, I got my art, and then I got all my, my film shorts. Uh, Sally's Diner is on there, I believe. Yeah. It's got to be on there. And, and a lot of film shorts that I made, you know, when I got, whenever I got enough money, I'd make, you know, so some of them are one minute, some of them are five minutes, some of them are 10 minutes. I got one that's an hour. That's, I didn't make it in an hour. I just took an hour's worth of film shorts because I always make them uh, on a timeline. They're mm -hmm. all about the same character, Emmett Demas. Uh, that's Emmett as a, as a young man. Uh, no, there. That's Emmett, Emmett Demas as a young man. Uh, mm -hmm. Now he's a homeless guy. But they're always on a timeline. So if I wanted to, I always thought, if I wanted to paste them together, I could. And so one day I had enough money to pay an editor to paste them all together and kind of, you know, edit and jingle them, mm -hmm. jiggle them. So, they, so there's an hour one. So that's, that's all the stuff that's on there. There's my biography. So, yeah, it's just a, a nice place to go to, to, to hang for a second. Yes, I got my I, book there. I, I wrote a book. So there's mm -hmm. my book on there. I'm writing another one right now. The loopholes, the loopholes dossier book is available to buy there as well. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's actually uh, Emmett Demas's the homeless man's storybook. It's mm -hmm. got uh, uh, oh, uh, it's got a jo sometimes Jones is Emmett Demas as a young man. It's got that kid. He's 15, so mm -hmm. it's got his uh, stories there as a, uh, in the book. It's. 10 stories, 10 fables of sometimes Jones. It's 10, 10 fables about that kid right there. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, 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 a political satire and about a, a president who, who ran for president, won president, got impeached, got a life, and uh, succeeded again. Uh, so that's that. And then there's uh, the homeless story. It's, it's uh, the last two years of Emmett Demas's life mm -hmm. uh, that he wrote in these, you know, have you ever passed uh, homeless people, you know, in their writing and books? I used to do that all the time on the streets in New York. I would pass by these guys writing in these, you know, crackle uh, covered school books. And, mm -hmm. and I always asked, I, I would, you know, every once in a while I'd pass by, hey, can I read something? No, none of them ever showed me what they were writing. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know, in, in my, my dotage when I was like, got, had gray hair and was playing Emmett, the homeless guy, I thought, why doesn't Emmett write it so I can read it? So mm -hmm. I had Emmett write what those guys were writing in a, in a notebook, yeah. in three notebooks that were handed to me, Larry, to, to, to publish. Mm -hmm. So I, I got, so that, that's, not I'm really proud of mm -hmm. uh, that writing. I, I, I think it's great. Anyway, that's what's on the. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you so much for catching up with me today. It was a real pleasure, man. Oh, thank you, Maurice. It was a pleasure talking to you, man.
Thank you. Okay, bye.